Hello, everyone. Today, welcome to our special presentation on calendar spreads for income. Before we get going, I just wanted to go over a little bit of housekeeping. First, we have a disclaimer. Let you know the presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker dealers or financial advisors, not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware. Your risk of trading options is substantial. Please make sure you're aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Also note that if we show any trades and the results, please consider them to be hypothetical computer simulated trades and the results. They would be believed to be as accurately represented as possible. Keep in mind, live results can vary from similar results for many different reasons. For those of you who are new to us, my name is John Locke from LockInYourSuccess.com. That's L-O-C-K-E InYourSuccess.com. I'm here with my chief options trading instructor and mentor, Stephen Hammett. Hello, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Good morning, John. Good morning. I can tell you that we're both extremely excited today to share this wonderful information about calendar spreads and other trading lessons with you today. We have four things on the agenda, and that is we have a calendar spread presentation with examples. I have a simple calendar trade example that is up approximately 200% year to date, and I will share the rules with you on that and talk to you about that process and uh, what it means going forward. I'm going to talk about some uh, questions and answers, and then I have a special offer for you, and I hope you take advantage of it. Oh, by the way, the special trade, these are the results for this year for this trading strategy that I'm going to be showing you later on. So hang on and make sure you stay tuned for that. So this is going to be a lot of fun when we talk about it. Now, I'm guessing that for a lot of you, this probably isn't your first webinar about trading calendar spreads. So the first thing I want to mention is that if you failed at gaining consistent profitability with calendars in the past, it's not necessarily your fault. There is a lot of misinformation out there about calendars. And uh, I experienced this as I was learning to trade. And I can tell you that it can be very confusing to know who to believe and what to believe when it comes to the, especially these types of strategies. So for example, you've probably been told things like calendars are going to make money when implied volatility goes up or that calendars are a great implied volatility hedge because they're positive Vega, which certainly sounds plausible, right? You look at your analytical software, it says, hey, I'm plus Vega. Implied volatility goes up, I make money. And it sounds very plausible, especially if it's coming from an educator, but I'm here to tell you that it's simply not true. The fact is that Yes, sometimes calendars might make money with an implied volatility rise in the market. However, it would be uh, just as common or just as true, if not more common, for calendars to lose money when we see implied volatility spikes in the market, especially initially when that implied volatility spike first comes into the market. Meaning that if you're depending on a calendar to react as a positive trader, uh, Vega trade, or if you're in, depending on a calendar as an implied volatility head when price moves, You've got a problem. Now, I mean that people who are telling you these things about calendars are lying to you. And I would say I don't think so. I think that there's a lot of educators out there and a lot of traders out there that actually don't know. It's more likely we're dealing with traders and educators who say these things simply because they're recycling information they've heard about in the past that seems plausible without actually going in and verifying the information, meaning that. These people themselves don't truly know the dynamics of calendar spreads, nor do they understand how to properly interpret what their analytical software is telling them, which is another challenge. Okay, You have a line on your analytical software. That line is not gospel. That line is telling you something, and it's an instrument with flaws, and you should understand what that instrument is actually telling you if you're going to be using it. 
And unfortunately, if you do the same thing, right, if you put your full faith in information that seems plausible without going in and personally verifying that information, you are setting yourself up to do damage to your account. The reality is, is that calendars are very complex creatures and that there is so much misinformation regarding calendars that many times following that information is something that literally prevents you from achieving the success that you're looking for uh, in trading them in the first place. This being the case, it makes sense that you may have had problems making money with consistency using calendars in the past. In fact, you may have made, well, we'll talk about this as we go along with any type of trading strategy in the past. And that would make sense because after all, a lot of you are following bad advice. But Stephen and I are here to fix that all of that and let you know that you can make it as a trader. You can effectively utilize calendar spreads. You just need the right information and the right way to have it explained to you. Realize that many of the people who sell trading programs and trading services want you to think that all you need to be successful is to find the right trade. You need to find the right trading plan. You need to find the right indicator. Um, they'll tell you that all you need to do is back test to get it right, and then you can expect to follow the same rules into the future all the time, and you'll make money consistently for now and ever into the future. That belief is rampant in the advertising and in the trading industry. And it sounds great, right? And we'd all like to believe that you can develop this holy grail indicator, this holy grail trading strategy, and confidently make money all the time through any conceivable situation simply by following this wonderful set of rules. And yes, you know, we can create this perfect strategy easy enough in backtesting. We can do it through fine tuning or form fitting our rules. We can, by doing that, we can make all the right decisions at just the right time in the past. But unfortunately, live trading in the future doesn't work that way. You know, if you've ever experienced, hey, I backtested this trade forever and it and it works wonderfully. It makes money almost all the time. And, and you know, the losses and drawdowns are very mild and it only lost so many times in a row or whatever, right? That's form-fitted. You can't expect that to go in the future. It doesn't work that way. Making exceptionally high returns or even moderate returns in the live market consistently for long periods of time requires much more than a set of trading rules. Look, if there's one thing that you should realize based on the last 10 years, even if that process worked, right? Even if that process worked, we backtested something and the market stays the same in the future, even if that worked, which it doesn't, by the way, but even if it did. One thing you should realize, again, based on the last 10 years, is that markets change drastically. Not only do they shift back and forth be between certain types of environments, but they also change in ways we've never experienced before. Look at how the financial crisis in 2008 changed the markets. Look at the record low implied volatility that followed in 2013. Look at what happened when Brexit happened in 2016. The implied volatility events that happened in 2018 that literally blew up hedge funds and volatility products on the marketplace. Products that were designed and back-tested by teams of highly educated experts. And remember, they blew up anyway. Funds with long periods of success. And then, even if they made it through this period of time, like 2018 was interesting, right? We had a very long, considered, compared to COVID with nothing, but we had a very hard down move in the marketplace with an extreme applied volatility shift. And people said, oh, they lost a lot of money, but you know, now I can backtest this market. Well, we had a similar move at the end of 2018. 
but the implied volatility dynamics were completely different, meaning that many of the people who came up with the backtesting fixes, you know, with the fixes of the problems backtesting uh, early 2018 were actually, those fixes were actually detrimental in late 2018, right? Same price move, a different applied volatility situation. Again, it's not the same. And then, of course, we had the COVID in 2020. We had the record rally that followed. And now we have an extended sideways market, which, by the way, is also something that many of us has never experienced in the history of backtesting data availability. And we only have availability of decent backtesting data to like realistically 2005, 2006. And now, really, if you're going with ONE, you only have it back to 2011. We never really had a sideways market in that time frame. So we're currently even trading markets that we've really never traded before. So you need to keep that in mind. But realize that all of these events had something in common. The market is acting in ways it had never acted like before. And if I can guarantee you one thing, it says the market is going to continue to surprise us. It's going to continue to do things it's never done before, including things that we really can't even fathom. You know, who would have expected the type of move from COVID? I mean, that was insane, right? This being the case, we can't expect to form fit an indicator or a set of rules to the past through backtesting, which is always the case, by the way. When we fine-tune a strategy to perform well through backtesting, we are, by definition, form-fitting it to the past. We're making minor rule changes that do not change the general dynamics of the strategy. Right? So any type of positioning you have, any type of trade that you develop or you see has certain dynamics. Making a delta shift from minus 15 to minus 10 to filter out losses out in the past or changing an entry date or exiting earlier does not change the dynamics of the strategy. All it does is it basically surgically cuts out unfortunate events to make the strategy seem more viable than it truly is. Now, we can't do something like that and then expect those same rules to continue to perform the same way into the future, regardless of the context of what the market might be. Don't get me wrong, there are many great reasons to backtest. There's many great reasons to develop and utilize trading strategies. But using backtesting as evidence for developing confidence that you are going to get the same results into the future and then fooling yourself into thinking that an indicator or a rule set is going to make money consistently for now and forever into the future, that's not one of them. That's not a beneficial use of backtesting. Now, I know this may come as a shock for many of you because in the past, that's exactly what you've been told. You've been told to rely on back tests, to rely on rules and indicators to, to make money consistently in the market rather than doing what will actually make you profitable in the long term, which is learning to understand what you really need to know and then understanding the specific positioning in the specific market context and then applying the appropriate strategies at the appropriate time. And while it's true that beginners or even intermediate traders definitely should backtest, you definitely should go through a period of time where you're following these rigid rules. This is part of the learning process. It's part of understanding the strategies. It's part of understanding the market, right? This is a, a necessary and useful learning exercise. It's also true that doing that with the expectation that this is all there is, I follow a set of rules, I will make money consistently, that expectation is going to stop you from being consistently profitable as a trader. Okay, your back testing and rigid rule following, once you reach a certain level, becomes a problem. 
And very likely the reason that you may be experiencing inconsistency with your live trading results. Well, that's about to change. Our objectives with our presentation today for beginners is to drastically reduce the amount of time, money, and effort it takes you to become profitable in the first place through understanding the dynamics of calendar spreads. And for our more advanced traders, our objective is to reveal the tools and understandings you need to effectively utilize calendars in your positive theta trading and finally become more consistently profitable traders. And since we're here to help you, one of our goals in the next 60 minutes is to get you to realize that you cannot expect to achieve consistent results over long periods of time by simply following the exact same rule set, regardless of the market conditions, price movement, and implied volatility conditions. In order to get those consistent results that you're looking for over long periods of time, you have to learn to identify and adapt. And in order to adapt, you need to develop an understanding of your positioning based on market conditions. This essential understanding is the key to achieving those consistent results you want. Today, we are going to further that understanding through working with calendar spreads. So let's bring Stephen in to this conversation. He's going to do a dive into some critical information you need to know in order to profit from calendar spreads and tell you a little bit about our special calendar course that we have. And yes, we are promoting a calendar course today. And this is a course that I initially developed exclusively for our pro traders. When I first developed it, it was only available to our pro members. And the reason I developed it is because we were going through a time period where I immediately saw there was going to be a tremendous opportunity to utilize calendar spreads to increase trading income in the post-COVID trading environment. And of course, I wanted our pro traders to have the education required to take advantage of that. I initially never intended this to be released to public sale, but after the positive feedback I got and the results we've seen with traders and how it's impacted them, and after many requests to make it available outside the pro membership, we finally decided to release it as a program. So in fact, I have a comment here from JD in the webinar chat. Hi, all. This course is great. You can't get this information anywhere else. Even if you know options, this is a black belt training and John keeps it all simple. Question for John in the course. Uh, John says he uses calendars selectively during backwardation, but at what point do you think conditions are now favorable for calendars? Let's save that particular question to the end. Thank you for the comment, by the way, and, uh, and we'll move forward. So, Stephen, hello there. Yes, sir. Hello. Yeah, would you like to share your screen? And yeah, I'll just take the going? ball. Awesome. Just to piggyback on what John just said, <clears throat> this is my favorite course of all the courses that that John has created. And the reason is, and it's not so much that calendars are my favorite trade. It's because it's the one course that really peels apart a trade structure or spread. This is just another spread, right? You got vertical spreads, you got calendar spreads. And of course we make our butterflies and our, our BWBs from it. But it really picks apart all the components in it very granular deep way to where you really understand on the nano level of what's happening with the options as it relates to time premium and volatility, which are gigantic components to really understand to successfully trade options. And so even if you don't trade calendars, there's such a wealth of information and um, although I think you should, there's always a time and a place for it, but there's so much, there's such a huge wealth of information that can translate to any 
of your uh, spread trading that you do or income style trading that we do in, in this campaign style of trading. So let me move forward and share with folks who may not be totally familiar with what exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about a calendar. So calendar obviously is to the right. All that is, is you are selling an option in a near series and buying an option in a further back series. So you have a horizontal situation, whereas a typical spread is going to be vertical, meaning in the same series. This creates a dynamic that 99% of educators, and I don't mean just traders, but educators are clueless about. They don't understand the interplay, the relationships, how what happens in one series is not necessarily what's happening in another series. And when I say happening, changes in implied volatility, changes in the skew, uh, changes in the time premium. And as you can see, we want to compare what does the calendar risk profile look like as it compares to a BWB. And as you, you can see that they're fairly similar. They have a bit of a range. There's a tent over you. But the key to keep in mind with the calendar is the risk and profits that you see in a risk profile are simply estimates in a calendar. The expiration lines are not concrete. They're going to change. Your modeling software is, is making an assumption of what the back cycle, the software is estimating what that's going to be worth when the front cycle expires. It's an estimate. Whereas in the BWB, that is that structure at expiration that risk profile is exactly what it will be. That will not change. That's concrete. In a calendar, it's not. So you're dealing with literally a dynamic expiration graph. And if you don't understand that, this can be a very dangerous spread. If you understand it, it can be a secret weapon. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure people understand it's not just about comparing expiration lines. Right. You know, one of the things I found out, they had this wonderful, right, the, the trade thing. We had a wonderful double diagonal trade that we did when I was first starting, and I didn't understand that. And I had this double diagonal, and I figured I was all set. The price was in the middle of the tent. Everything was fine. I ended up losing a ton of money in that trade because the expiration line collapsed on me. I'm like, well, what's right. going on? I had no idea. After that, I was like, I don't want to even trade these because I don't know what the expiration line is. It's, it's, well, yeah, they, they, yeah, these things can scare you right out of it. And I've got a great example of that. So, but like you said, once you had the understanding of what was going on, you actually turn it into a great advantage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one thing we need to understand in any style of trading, and particularly in in trading options uh, for income or campaign style of trading is that your edges are going to change. Edges meaning our where do we where do we get our positive expectancy? 2017 and 2022 or even now are sort of opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of the option environment, the skew environment. It's not just the raw implied volatility. We don't just look at the VIX and make all of our assumptions about implied volatility, right? So those where those edges were in 2017 are not where the edges are where we can find positive expectancy today. I mean, they couldn't be any further from each other, right? So understanding where you're going to have success, where you're going to 
find those edges in the market is critical. And calendars, in a way, understanding that helps you to be vigilant for where that is. And it's like John was saying, when you're doing your back testing and you're just going through something on a rote manner and you're not paying attention to the context of the market and the whole environment has changed, you know, all of a sudden, you know, for we always use the weather example, right? It's summertime and you got your beach towels and your swim trunks on and this is everything's just perfect. I'm having wonderful. And all of a sudden it's winter and you still got your swim trucks on and your beach towel. You know, things change on the ground. Your edges change and you need to have the tools to discern when that happens. So talking about this course, what was really great, it was originally a seven part series and then John expanded it into a nine part series and he added some bonus content that discusses using calendars as an adjustment tactic to broken wing butterflies. And that's an additional two hours of content, which is fantastic because it's very popular in the trading community has been for a while to use calendars in conjunction with BWBs and other structures. So I think it's paramount that we understand why that may or may not be an advantageous adjustment and why something else, maybe adding a butterfly up top or simply using verticals may be more appropriate and not just routinely use calendars regardless of what's happening and in our environment is very critical. So that part alone is worth the course is understanding how you can use the calendar spread with your BWBs. And of course, the whole core, the program goes into all the dynamics that we've been discussing with a calendar time premium, implied volatility, what's happening in the front cycle, the back cycle, and those strikes specifically, and how the, the changes in those parameters are going to impact the spread. Obviously, there are tons of tactics that John goes through on how you can adjust calendars and how you might use them. The most popular one, which may or may not be the best, is to pick up and roll the calendar. There's also strategies where you can adjust with verticals, which I'll show you an example of, and still make the calendar just as effective and achieve the results or the objectives that you want in each one of your trades. So that's just a little bit of what's in the course. And John, I think we'll, we'll go into a little more in depth a little bit later on that. Just to give you a little bit more of a highlight, the sections of the course are divided up into calendar dynamics and drivers implied volatility, super huge deep dive. If you ever want to understand everything about implied volatility and how it impacts the strikes that you're dealing with, I mean, go no further than this. It's all you've ever wanted to know about implied volatility. Yeah, even if you don't is. trade calendars, it's good because right. we trade it implied volatility with butterflies too. We just trade it differently. So it's a good time. Exactly. To then there's a plethora of adjustment tactics, tons and tons of examples, of course. And then, as I mentioned before, the adjusting with BWBs and calendars. So you've got your no-touch calendars, you've got your diagonals, you've, like I've said before, you've got your combining them with butterflies or BWBs. And then John also goes through methods on how to, if you're going to create a calendar trade or evaluate how you're going to use this adjustment, how you develop a planned capital a reasonable profit target max loss and how to evaluate your expectations if the skew or implied volatility changes on you 
in the middle of your trade. So those are all things you, there's a lot more to consider and weigh when you're thinking about calendars. But once you get those components under your belt and those understandings, like I said before, it can be quite a super weapon. So there's a lot of the common questions and concerns that come to the forefront when people are dealing with calendars, right? So why are they working well now? Or why are they not working? Whatever the case may be. Calendars are always positive vega, right? That's what my analytical software tells me. Do they always behave like a positive Vega trade? Yeah. Or why are it, they positive Vega and how, and, and, and how do they behave? are <laughs> two different stories, right? Exactly. And if my volatility drops and I'm in a calendar, does that mean it's going to lose? And do I need to put a calendar on if I think there's going to be an explosion in the VIX? Those are reasonable questions, but once you understand what's happening with this trade, those aren't the kind of questions that you'll have. So there's a very, that's where the misunderstanding of this spread really comes from. Uh, what's the role of skew that we've talked about? What happens if the market crashes? Is that going to really damage a calendar? What can I do? What if the market runs away from it to the upside? What are the most favorable conditions for entry? And that was sort of the gentleman's question earlier, and we can talk about that. And why do the break-even lines constantly change? Now, that's a pretty astute question to even have there. Because a lot of, I think a lot of people that come into calendars don't even realize what we were talking about earlier, that the expiration lines are dynamic. They change. And they can change right. quite drastically mm -hmm. for and against you. Absolutely. So in that vein, what we were just talking about, the question of is can a calendar spread profit if implied volatility is consistently dropping? It is a positive vacant trade, right? After all. Well, here's you can see this is 2021 that I have drawn the arrows. If you've got the COVID crash lows and the market effectively goes straight, almost straight to the moon, <laughs> certainly looking at this zoomed out time frame, that is a uh, pretty aggressive up up move, and you've got a aggressive drop in implied volatility. And yet that was the best time period to trade calendars if you trade them appropriately and understand them. Absolutely the best. I think in one of, uh, we'll have a screenshot of it later, I think right after the crash and as, as the market started to stabilize, I think John made one of the biggest gains in a trade he ever had in a calendar in an environment where implied volatility was dropping. Yeah, it was, it was at a higher level but again, if you're locked into this concept that they own that calendars only make money in positive vague environments, you would have missed an once in a lifetime opportunity to take advantage of. So I've got a little video here that I want to share and hopefully I can pause it at the right time. But let's just kind of set the stage. So you've got this is November of 2020. It's that environment where the market's been going up, volatility has been dropping. Got a nice wide tent on. This is a 10 lot at the money. It's the first day that it's on. Obviously, we're when we put this trade on, where we're looking for an up move, there's some positive delta. But that's not really what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on what's happening during this one day to the expiration line. I mean, if we're sitting here and the market doesn't really move, we don't expect this trade to draw down, right? If the market were to take off, then we'd probably make some money. 
intraday. But let's just watch and see what happens as we start from the beginning on this. So this is the following day. We get the up move and the trade is up money. It's up nicely, in fact. And the market's settling in. It's up 35 points. We're up $1,500, $2,000. All of a sudden, the expiration line drops below zero. We're down two grand. Market is only up 10 more points from where what is happening. This is got me concerned. I don't understand what's happening. If you're in this trade, you might have hit your stop out point and panicked out of the trade. We're almost dead center in this tent. This is where a lot of traders would probably be saying, WTF, you know, what in the world is going on? Um, this trade was up two grand. Now it's down two grand. I don't understand. I'm going to hit the eject button. So those are some thoughts that might be going through your head. But let me finish the rest of this clip and let you watch what happens the next day. As you can see, prices pop back up in the tent. Now we're getting a little bit of an up move, but the value has come back. And we're only up seven points from the close the prior day. And now all of a sudden it's up $2,500 and the market hasn't moved a ton. Yeah, and your tent went from like 24,000 to 18,000. Yeah. It crushed it that time. Yeah. Market didn't really move, right? So that's let's that's more or less a fixed variable. We were in the center of the tent, yet we were down money. The T plus zero line dropped. Very unusual to thing to happen. And I'll make a couple of comments. A lot of people would have been spooked out of that trade. If you understand what was happening, there was obviously a, maybe not so obvious, there was a news event on the horizon. And there was an extreme cranking of the implied volatility in the front cycle and not so much in the back cycle. That drew that T plus zero line down temporarily. When that event passed or the uncertainty, because news events that are planned news events always bring uncertainty in the market. The market doesn't like that. Now, the market may not move on it, but the, certainly the, the options participants were nervous and were positioning themselves, which caused that skew to change in the front cycle. And once that news event passed, the uncertainty came out of the market. The trade then started to perform as we expected. You're in the center of the tent. You've only got two days to expiration. We expect that trade to be up money, and that's exactly what happened. But if you didn't understand what was causing, mechanically causing that T plus zero line to drop like that, you could have taken a $2,000 loss instead of a $2,500 winner. So let me, uh, let me pause that for now and turn this ball over to John, and then I will continue with the rest of the presentations. We'll talk about uh, more about why this happened in this trade. Right, and then show some examples as well and as shows, trade examples. Exactly, and get into some examples. So let me just quickly 
I want to very quickly just go over our offer here so that you can get that over with and uh, and then we will yeah. we'll take a look at some of the other stuff. So in this comprehensive training, we answer all the questions I'm commonly asked over and over again when it comes to calendar style trades. We explain thoroughly the myths and realities associated with calendars, extrinsic value composition, what makes up your extrinsic value, the dynamics that make up the calendar cost and your tent width. You know, why does it cost what it costs? Why is the tent width what it is? What determines the price of the calendar, the reasons for expiration line shifts, the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic delta and value shift, which is important, especially when you get into like diagonals. We teach you how to determine which options are responsible for position value shifts, the dynamics that create the shift in implied volatility, the uh, horizontal and vertical skews, we discuss those and you know what they are and how they affect your positioning. The most important questions that to ask when considering a calendar spread trade, we go over those. How IV enters and, uh, and exits the options chain. In other words, how, how does implied volatility come into the options chain? How does it go out of the options chain? Part of, of, of trading implied volatility, which is what you're doing when you're trading a calendar, is understanding why the value in each of the cycles is, is, is changing and, and, uh, and so forth. If you understand it, you can trade it. We also detail the conditions when calendars are likely to lose money with implied volatility increases, right? So sometimes implied volatility increases and you lose money with a calendar. Sometimes implied volatility increases and you make money with a calendar. We talked to you about the conditions under which that occurs. We talked about when to avoid being in calendars, understanding how your analytical software projects the expiration line on the calendar, and as well as the diagonal trade setup, because it's going to be similar. We show you how to set profit expectations on a calendar trade, right? So rather than depending on somebody else's rules, you set up a calendar trade. How do you know what maybe a profit expectation might be of that calendar? We talked to you about if uh, you do profit targets, how to set those expectations. If you set maximum loss targets, how to set those. How to evaluate adjustment strategies, how to keep capital under control with calendars. And we also go over multiple calendar adjustment strategies. There are also many uh, examples of winning and losing calendar trades, right? So you don't learn anything. If you just look at winning calendar trades, you also want to see the losing calendar trades. And we give you a complete breakdown of the decision-making process throughout each of those trades. And then of course, we have our double calendars, triple calendars, reverse calendars, as well as using calendars as adjustments on other types of positions, such as brokerling butterflies. And of course, there's much, much more in the nine videos and over seven hours of instruction, including the course. Now, this Normal price of this useful content is usually $13.95. We are giving a fantastic discount to our pro members. They're only $895 for Go members and uh, trading performance members. We are looking at $10.95 for non-members, basic members. We're looking at $12.95. So all these information in here is not only useful in the SPX and the Russell. And I believe we may have some MDX examples in there. Um, it's useful really on, on any uh, any asset in, in stock. So uh, we encourage you to do that. And that's what I have here. To get that, just quickly, if you're a member, you can just go to your discounts page. So you go to your pro discounts page along the side here. Look for pro dis or go discounts if you're a go member. And it's right there. If you are a non-member, you have to be a basic member anyway to sign up, but which is free, by the way, right? To be a free basic member from our main site. So this is our main site. The trading courses, 
go to trading performance courses because this is a performance course and how to best utilize calendar spreads and all the information on purchases there. The sale is good until Monday, April 17th. Okay, so I'm going to turn this back over to you, Stephen. Okay. We'll go from there. Mythbusters, most misunderstood spread. Calendars are strictly positive Vega trades. That's a myth. The reality is it depends. It depends on the factors that we've mentioned over and over again, implied volatility and skew and how those are different, can be different in each cycle. When I say cycle, the uh, strike series. So you got a front, front cycle and a back cycle in the calendar, right? Selling the front, buying the back. The behavior of extrinsic value, implied volatility and skew, and the rates of change of those is going to change, have an impact on the behavior of that trade. So the fact that it's a positive vega and that we would, in our analytical software, and expect it to behave that way is a myth. It depends on those components, whether it's going to behave like a positive vega trade. Myth number two, calendars get hurt when IV contracts. Same answer. It depends. It can behave like a negative vega trade. Oftentimes it does. Now that doesn't mean that oh, well, that if it can behave as a negative Vega or a positive Vega trade, that I don't need to be aware of those uh, parameters, parameters being changes in IV, back month behavior, and skew. You absolutely do. You have to have that understanding in order for it to take advantage of it to behave as a positive Vega trade or a negative Vega trade. Myth number three, the overall calendar cost drives success. Again, it depends. That's a myth. The components that we consistently talk about drive those conditions. And the back month is a very key player in the behavior of calendars. So those kinds of, you know, we call these myths. I mean, how dare someone say those are myths? They're absolutely myths. If you don't understand those things or you believe in those statements, those myths, you're going to lose money in calendars, right? So the trade behavior completely depends on those components, the horizontal skew, the timing between the two strikes, you know, how many days between, you put 30 days between, three days between, 14 days be between, it all depends on what you're trying to achieve. The extrinsic value between the strikes, it's not just about VIX or RVX, it's about the rate of change of implied volatility in play. So hopefully this kind of gets your mind um, percolating around the myths and the realities of calendars. So this was a huge aha moment for me when John presented this and uh, this bit of content in the program is to think about how does implied volatility enter the market, right? So when we say that is when uncertainty enters the market, uh, whether it's a, a, a bank failure or uh, an FOMC event that's planned, that presents uncertainty in the market, right? And it's not necessarily a price drop or a price increase. In other words, the market moves. It could be news related or an impending event. And so how does it manifest itself in the options market? Is it going to show up in higher demand in the 60-day series, in the 30-day series, in the front month, in the front cycle? You know, how... Think about it that way. Where is it happening? And the way it's going to happen is, is think of it like a wave. That implied volatility is 
if we're thinking about it correctly, obviously going to come in the closest cycle to expiration. So we have weeklies, right? I think in the SPX are darn near every single day. So that series is going to be impacted from the uncertainty up until when that, if it's a uh, news event, the FOMC or earnings, you'll see that in stocks. You're going to see the implied volatility is going to come into or impact the cycles or option expirations in the front first. And then at a decreasing rate, they're going to impact uh, expiration series further out. Understanding how far that wave, if you will, comes into those expiration series and how much it impacts them is critical to understanding calendars. And then the reverse is, is when that uncertainty passes, how is that wave going back out or coming back into, uh, or going, yeah, going back out to sea, so to speak, how is that rate of change impacting uh, the front cycle and the bikes back cycle? Does that analogy make sense, John? Yes, yes, it absolutely makes sense. And then, like I said, I had a we did a when we did implied volatility for Ultimate Income Trader. I had a suitcase I was throwing at people <laughs> in right. the crowd. I said, I, I picked it up. I said, "Who's who's most concerned about getting hit by the suitcase?" And the people in the front row were like, "Right, oh, we are." Right. The back yeah. row says, "We're not concerned at all because you can't yeah. throw that far. We don't believe you in can't your strength, throw it. Right? it exactly. Right. So, so it's the same thing. Yeah, and so you know, real simply put. If you could take advantage of uncertainty coming into the short that you're going to sell, which is the front cycle of the calendar, and then that implied volatility doesn't impact your back long that much, that would be a, what we would consider an optimal situation. So if you can think about uh, how implied volatility or uncertainty enters the options chains, uh, like a wave going in and out in the ocean, I think it really helps to set the visual of, of what's happening. Absolutely. So I won't go into detail on this because you want to get to the examples, but this program dives into all, you know, the four W's to the nth degree, which is critical to understand for how calendars behave and how you can take advantage of them. So I'll just show this for, for people who want to glance at that. And it ultimately comes down to understanding intrinsic value and how implied volatility Extrinsic, extrinsic value, right? Extrinsic value. Extrinsic yeah. value, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. And here's our hows. But I really want to get down to, and then we've, we've said this and it really bears repeating. This is the most misunderstood spread. And these graphics here I have, it's a little bit of a, an idea. There's so many variables acting upon two different strikes, two different series. And it's like a 3D effect, right? You've got extrinsic value, the time premium, how uncertainty is coming into the market, and all these different things that are happening that could really impact your calendars. And you've got to really understand those. It's just, it's not a two-dimensional, you know, if we think of just a um, a vertical spread or a broken wing butterfly or a butterfly that's all in the same series. It's kind of a two-dimensional view or two-dimensional spread you're dealing with. And then the calendar is really three-dimensional in that sense. So I wanted to give you guys a sneak peek of uh, a section in the program and how detailed John gets in 
peeling this trade apart uses the reductionist approach, right? So let's look at the components. Let's just isolate the front strike, the front cycle and the back cycle strike and what exactly is happening. I'm not gonna go through the detail of this slide, but the point is, is I want you to understand how in depth he goes into this. It's not just, um, you know, high level comments or making sweeping yeah. generalizations. This is as detailed as you want, as you need to get to understand what's happening. Right, we're trying to give you a complete full understanding of why things happen the way they happen so that you understand how to trade it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's the internal landscape. What is happening on the inside of this spread? and this trade. So there's the NDX trade. People can see this was uh, March of 2020, is right after the crash. Um, quite the win. That was an NDX, NDX calendar that John did that, um, I don't remember how much money you had in that trade, maybe 20 grand and you were- It wasn't that. very much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, no, no, it's 467% returns. So he didn't so have we, that much in it. <laughs> we took advantage of the wave, right? We took advantage of right. the money coming, the, the 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 pressure on the fright cycle that has not yet reached all the way in the back cycle, and the back cycle experiencing that pressure eventually. That's the whole concept behind the trade. Yeah, and and, and and understanding that you knew that this is the trade I need to put on, and this and this is how I'm going to trade it, and I've got my antenna up for when things change. I know what to look for. Is there something happening in the back month? Is there something happening with SKU? And when that uncertainty changes, then I know that I either need to get out of this trade or aggressively adjust it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You want to so come again, in. When, you you want to yeah. come in when the try when the tide's coming in. Yeah. Right. And you want to get exactly. out when the tide starts to go out. <laughs> exactly. And it's and it's exactly. And as John mentioned uh, in the bonus content, he talks about using reverse calendars. Right, so you're you're selling the calendar, not buying it, um, which if you you can do without having um, a huge margin impact with the futures. So right. you can do it in the RTY or the ES. And he has a COVID crash trade campaign where you can see how this trade behaves in the extreme. Uh, he also goes over short-term calendars, which were real popular for a while, uh, and still can be utilized in the right situation. And then obviously how to use calendars with BWBs is just quite popular as well. So I got a trade example I want to go through next, John. And let me pull over my analytical software. And I assume you can see that. So let yes. me let me set this the context, set the scene. So this is we're in the SPX. This is going to be a $25,000 planned capital trade with a 20,000, or excuse me, 20% uh, profit target. It's 30 day trade, like I said, in the front, and there's going to be 14 days to the back. So the front, the front cycle is going to be a 30 day, and the, no, the back the, cycle is going to be the front's 14, 44. right? Oh, well, 30, 44. Okay. Yeah, 30, 44. So yeah. 30 day with the front plus, I'm just saying plus 14 days. So 15 day spread. Yeah. Yeah, more or less. Exactly. You got a 200 point range with that tent. It's obviously sending a little bit positive delta. 
and I'll get to that in a minute. I'll show you the charts because that's obviously critical to the context. And I'm going to use a front month vertical adjustment strategy to correct my delta. And I am going to use delta parameters, which um, <clears throat> is not necessary. You know, there's many ways to skin this cat. But in this particular example, I want to use delta to control my trade and control my risk. Um, and the highlight that I want to make is that during this campaign, IV rises and it falls and the horizontal skew starts out as flat and then moves to contango, meaning it's not in backwardation, right? So contango is when the front month uh, IV is lower than the back. And it, for some people that are a little more advanced with calendars have probably been taught that backwardation, meaning the front month implied volatility is higher than the back is optimal. Um, while it certainly is very advantageous used correctly, it's not a requirement for success. And I'm going to show right. you again That's how this kind of starts. addressing the question that uh, we had earlier. That we yeah, had. this trade actually starts out with flat, what I call flat or slightly in contango uh, implied volatility, horizontal skews, excuse me, and then moves to contango. And yet the trade still performs just fine. So what the context is with the charts, this is earlier this year. Uh, actually, the entry is way over here on the right side of the chart. It's January 31st. And we've been in an uptrend and we're challenging the swing highs here. What I want to do is set this up to try to take advantage of the market being like a magnet and coming back to these prior basing areas, the consolidation zones that you can see here, here, and here, that's a very likely spot for the market to base out and go sideways and get drawn to. And if that's what happens, I want to be able to take advantage of that. And that is why I've got it set up an entry at a little bit of positive delta. But then at that point, to take advantage of what I feel like is going to be the market basing out, I want to be strict with my parameters, with my... Uh, by using a uh, delta triggers, because if this trade takes off aggressively to the upside or there's a rug pull and it comes out of the downside, I don't wanna sit in for that. So if we do do that, you know, I don't, I'm trying to make 20% on 25,000, you know, strictly my loss, I like to keep it one-to-one. -one, so I would use an absolute max loss of 20%, but really I would punch out of this trade if it, drew down probably around 10%. So I'm just trying to give you an idea. There's nothing strict about this. I'm trying to give people an idea how you might construct a trade or at least think about how it's going to behave. So let's just move to the first adjustment instead of day by day. I think that'll be a little more efficient. Yeah. Oh, and he's acting up. Okay. So here's the trade before there's any adjustment, pretty close to my um, delta trigger, the market's coming to the backside of the tent, I wanna make an adjustment. And as you can see, all I simply did was move half of these strikes down to cut that delta more towards neutral or reduce the positive delta. And I'm really just trying to balance this thing out and keep it towards the center of the tent as the market tries to consolidate and base not doing anything to the back month 
not rolling the whole structure. So again, the market has pulled down quite aggressively, as you can see, the calendar is handling that down move quite fine. We've gained quite a bit of value. I'm outside my positive 20 delta parameter, and I'm gonna do the same thing and roll down half of the front month. So this may be a little bit different for folks to see how we're not picking up the whole structure and moving it. We're not adding another calendar. It's not to say that those aren't effective. This is just a different way to manage or adjust this trade. And it's just simply using vertical spreads in the front cycle to adjust the delta that I want. And as you can see, we're up to 22,000, got a plan capital at 25,000. So it's, it's within parameters. So let me ignore this before I go to the next adjustment. And as you can see, even though you're getting fairly big moves, the market is staying in a relatively stable range. It's come up to this prior uh, supply zone and is starting to base out. Now, at this point, I need to be really careful um, as it's spent several days consolidating that that's not going it, to, it's going to resume trend one way or the other pretty quickly. So I want to be very vigilant what's what happening with the trade. Um, not quite at our profit target, although this would be a pretty prudent time to, to exit. But let's stay with this and see what we can do. Now I've got a delta trigger to the upside. It's above my negative 20 delta. And now I'm going to roll some of these shorts up half of them, real simple strategy. As you can see, I'm keeping it simple by rolling half at a time and not ones or twos or sixes. Want to keep it real simple and not complicate things. Cuts the delta roughly in half, working into the side of the tent. Now there's some other things that I'm aware of that I'm keeping my eye uh, of what's happening in the back month, particularly the, the time value or uh, the extrinsic value in that back month to also manage this trade. And that is uh, a lot more detail than we have time for now, but I just want you people to realize it's not just me watching Delta. There's a lot of other variables, you know, that 3D they were talking about earlier that I'm paying attention to as I manage this trade. Yeah, so, you know, speaking of that, Stephen, and I, and I, we have a question. I just kind of want to bring this up a little bit uh, okay. while you're looking at this. It says, do you ever take into consideration VOMA? Right, VOMA, which is a third order um, volatility Greek. And the answer to that is VOMA as a number is is useless. It's almost completely useless. It's it's a third order Greek on implied volatility. Um, and implied volatility isn't even really a useful number in general. And we'll kind of go over by that. Everything's about, it's because what derives the, the implied volatility? Well, implied volatility doesn't determine the price of your option. What the, in terms of price of your option is extrinsic value. And extrinsic value is produced through supply and demand, which then is explained by um, implied volatility, making the implied volatility number itself not particularly overly useful. And then you go into the next order of Greeks and talk about VOMA. Uh, and that's just a complete theoretical projection, which has absolutely nothing to do with reality. <laughs> In my opinion, that VOMA number is almost completely useless. And 
you know, even to the gamma number, people use gamma, but realistically, the gamma number in isolation by itself is almost completely useless. So, right. you know, the, you know, especially since we're 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 not even dealing with a position that reacts as you would think it, the model predicts it from, from implied volatility in general, right? So we have implied volatility goes up. Well, according to your analytical software, it says implied volatility goes up, the value goes up. That's not true. It can be true. But it's mm-hmm. often not true. So that even that factor in itself isn't even reliable. Then you take another order on top of that, and then you're trying to, you know, make a decision based on what Voma is telling you. There is no decision to be made. That right. that that information in itself, while is okay for a um, well, okay, for your theoretical, in order to make your theoretical model work, I think it's, it, I mean, you need that, right? That's part of the theoretical model. But as far as what the price or PL in the position is actually going to do and the T plus zero line is actually going to do, that's completely derived from uh, extrinsic value, which again is derived from supply and demand. And that, and that being the case, it almost makes that number irrelevant. Okay. Yeah. Just driving into derivatives and derivatives and integrals of other numbers is not going to give you more insight. And here's the way I think of it. It's a static figure. And let's bring the wave, right? That all those, the, 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 the Greeks themselves and the second and third orders, they're static. They're not dynamic. And there's, there's not any um, retail uh, software that can predict how those will change the next day with all the changes in those other variables, right? So that's right. just a static number that you're getting today. It can, and depending on how that wave, remember our wave example, comes into and out of the options chains, the model can't predict how that's going to behave and how it's going to react, the, right. it, it, how it's going to impact things. So it doesn't, it's not really actionable. It's, it's, it's nice. It's not even really nice to know. It's it's you're much much better off spending your time and attention on what we're talking about in front of us. And it's exactly. for those reasons. Again, let me just reiterate because I I went down this rabbit hole too. I kind of have an engineer's mind, finance back, background. I want everything to be a discrete thing. And oh, if I go into second and third orders and integrals and and derivative, then that's going to give me more insight. Is it you simply cannot predict how a multivariate uh, dynamic situation is going to change right right yeah it, it, not accurately i mean at times it's somewhat close but it, from, yeah. as far as reliably pers- with precision forget it it's just it's yeah just not useful and, and these are easier this is an easier way to do it i mean you maybe if you were to figure out a way to use those other items to arrive at some actionable um conclusion right. this is much easier so right then you have a great question, question. Yeah, and question. this other question came in too, which is another great question: is why can why can too much positive delta be bad for the trade? Um, I, I would say, first of all, that would be situationally specific, but I will let you answer the question. Yeah, that's just the way I set up this trade. Like I said before, uh, you don't need a delta limit or delta triggers. It's just that the context that I that I entered this trade on is I wanted to take advantage of a consolidation in the market, right? So this is like, if you just trade a calendar by itself, it's a containment strategy, right? I'm trying to contain, as long as the market stays in some sort of a range, I'm going to make money. I'm containing it, quote unquote, right? Right, right. Well, for those who don't know, know what Delta is, right? Because we should probably explain that. I mean, Delta is the software estimated 
uh, value that this position is going to move uh, uh, profit, well, how the profit loss is going to move over the next $1, $1 price movement in the asset, right. which changes according to gamma, right? And of course, gamma changes every time every, anything else changes. And these delta numbers also change. Anytime ex extrinsic value changes due to supply and demand, all your numbers change, all your Greeks change, right? right. Um, and then the model has to recalculate what's going on. That's why the T plus zero line's moving all over the place and it's changing throughout the day and it changes from day to day. So, um, but Delta just gives us a general idea of how much price risk we have in the position. And if right. we choose to do so within our strategy, we can use that as a trigger. Right. So he's chosen in this particular trade to use Delta as a trigger. Um, we want to use flatter Delta as a trigger in trending markets. We want to maybe ignore Delta in choppy markets. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a risk so, management tool. It is, right. It's a risk management tool and a trigger in which you can use to adjust things. And right. the benefit or drawback of that adjustment is going to depend highly on the market conditions, which is why we go back to understanding the position, exactly. understanding your triggers, and understanding whether it's a good to use them or not. Exactly. And just to expound on that a little bit, a lot of people will trade, if they're just trading a counter like this by itself, they'll trade it to the edge um, of the expiration line that they see now, whatever the break even is that they see on their um, analytical software before they take action. I'm just keeping mine a bit tighter um, to be conservative. So in other words, you could just say, you know what, I'm not gonna do the front month vertical adjustment strategy Steven's doing until I hit the edge of the tent. You can do that. I've just using, chose to using be a more delta conservative. Number saying, using yeah. a delta number is like saying, I'm gonna, use, I'm gonna lose this trade by chop rather than by trend. There you go. Yeah, it's a good way to say it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. We're always we're always determining under which conditions we're willing to lose the trade, whether you realize it or not. Most people are saying, yeah. "I just want to win the trade regardless." But whatever you, dynamic or whatever your component you're putting into your position, you're essentially choosing under which types of conditions you're willing to lose the trade. Yeah, and that's a good point because in this situation, I'm not necessarily picking one the upside or downside that I'm willing to lose because I'm trying to cons. Con catch the market in a consolidation. So I'm being more conservative or more aggressive, however you want to view it, with my adjustments because I'm kind of taking risk on both sides. So I don't right. really want this. I don't want to get, let this trade uh, you know, get down to this too deep here or too deep here before I take action because as the, you know, the market consolidates, it goes from balance to trend. Balance to trend, balance to trend. And I have to understand that. And I'm trying to catch balance. Well, if I let this thing get too far outside uh, my tent, to the edge of my tent, I'm risking that the market's going to shift into balance and lose the trade. So I'm choosing in this particular instance, this is not something that I would put together as a standalone trade and run and back test it and act like it's going to always work. It's very specific to the context. Uh, I'm using something where I'm sort of, and I'm just kind of uh, guessing. I'm adjusting when I'm here. I'm adjusting when I'm here. Because if it does shift from balance to trend, I don't want to be in a situation where that's going to draw down the trade drastically. So let me, let me wrap this pretty quickly, John, and then we'll get into some pretty neat stuff that you've, that you've uh, going to show us in your trade example. But we talked about this trade getting up to about five grand and exiting, but I want to show an example of, first of all, whatever you're, you show on your, your broker 
uh, if you're managing this trade on your on the brokerage level or with analytical software, this PL that you say may or may not be something you can execute at. I mean, mm -hmm. we have we have that happen a lot. And let's just assume in this particular day, you can't get out uh, the five thousand profit target. Not that, you and know, you may be able to do better than that too. And so you may be able to do better. And, and and I'm not saying oh if I you know if it's at four thousand nine hundred ninety nine I'm not going to take the price. It's not you know it's it's not an exact science. I'm doing this for example purposes. You very well could have exited, but let's say that you couldn't get your price. You felt like this trade was in controls in the middle. Um, the markets you you had some indication that the market was going to continue to consolidate. You had multiple inside days, whatever the case may be. But I want to reduce risk because I know that the market the chances of the market going to trend either higher or lower breaking out of this space are increasing. How about we take some risk out of the trade, right? So right at this moment, we have 20 grand. How can we take risk out of the trade? Well, I'm going to move this, the long, the back series in closer. Let me show you where we move. Right. That Good to. dynamic there. Yep. Yeah. And I can't show all my expirations, but we were in the March 17, 30 day, and we move it all the way to the March 10, 23 days. So seven days. I moved it in seven days. And look how much right. money I so, took out of the trade. So Cut it in There's half. a lesson there, right? The size of your spread dictates the size of your trade. Right. Ooh, interesting. Right. Good to know. Yeah. 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 The distance between the DTE or the days between the front and the back dictates the size of the trade. Absolutely. So now it didn't change my delta much from the previous. I'll do that again. It was at negative 14. We were at 20,500. I rolled the back month long in by seven days. Now I'm at negative 15, effectively the same. Did if, it, if there were a delta change by doing that, then I could correct it back to what I wanted the delta to be by again, using verticals in the front series, but I didn't have to do it in this case. I went from 20,500 to 9,500, more than half out of the trade. And I'm sitting in a good spot. So let's just see what the next day brings. And I believe that is an exit day. Yeah, let's get this back on this other trade that we were on. And yeah, so the market had a pretty aggressive down move, but see how resilient this trade can be. Um, let's just look at the horizontal skew. So we got 17.22 in the back. So many strikes. And 16 front. We're in total contango. Wow, the trade still won. So uh, again, an example of um, there wasn't necessarily a change from contango, which is the normal state of horizontal skew to backwardation. You would assume that that would that would have happened maybe for, in order for this to make money. So we made an extra grand with a 50 point down move. Yeah, I had a little bit of negative delta, but relative to the size of this trade, that wasn't that much. So it was the dynamics of what's happening in the calendar that added that extra value. And of course, this would be, we're well above our profit target. And this is when we would take that trade off. So that's the example I have there, John. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. I'm going to take back control for a minute. Yep. Uh, after, after this, I want to make sure that... Um, 
Well, actually, before we do, we have a question, right? So how did you see the change in Contango so fast? So that's relative to this trade. Yeah, so if we go back to the beginning of the trade, it's a good question. Let's look at, let's look at the, yeah, let's see, yeah. You're much better with the ignore button on these than I am, John. You've oh, had a lot oh. of practice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so well, you're, you're better with other things. <laughs> so well, let's just look at that state at, at entry. So we have a 16, just so everybody knows what we're looking at here. I'm looking at the apply volatility of the front, and we're at the money with this is 16 half. So I'm selling that. And then the back has. 1730. So we're in Contango. Um, I don't have it written down which day it was, but during during this campaign, um, it did go from flat to even more Contango. So just to right. answer the question really direct, I'm looking at the applied volatility, the strikes that I'm at. And then uh, you can also look at the at the money if your strikes end up being far away from the money. A really good gauge is to see what's the at the money imply volatility and compare the front cycle and the back. If the front is higher, imply volatility in the back, you're in backwardation. If the front is lower, you're in contango. And you can still make money if the if the calendar is in a contango state, if you understand what's happening with all the dynamics. I think that answers that question. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, basically, you can look at the options that you they revolve in the position. You can look at the implied volatility of the options. If the front is lower than the back, it's that that at least that series isn't that series isn't contango. The market may be in backwardation, but that series is contango, right? Yeah. Uh, right at that strike level, and then you can tell that right away. And then, of course, if you wanted the general market due to the VIX numbers or or the VIX futures in each cycle, you can go into your. Uh, yeah, and just to note for this year, I have noticed for the most part, depending on how. Um, you know, if you don't have the front cycle and back cycle, you know, extreme more than 30 days apart, I have noticed that the implied volatilities are the same. So, I, you know, you could call that sort of flat skew is one way you mm -hmm. can call it. It's not in either, it's not in contango or backwardation. And yet calendars are doing fantastic. So, yeah. But, so, no. yeah. So let's, before I even go into, well, uh, let me go into my example first. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I want to get that over with and then. It comes back to this question that um, that JD put in earlier, and I'm sorry it takes so long to get here, but I think we have a lot of great information we want to. So, um, just as a reminder, let me just share my screen to get the how to best utilize calendar spreads course. You just go into uh, LockingYourSuccess.com, go into trading courses, you go into trading performance courses, um, how to best utilize calendar spreads, and you can see the buy now buttons here. You do have to be at least a basic membership member, which is free. We have good savings on for our members, of course. And, um, or you can, if, if you're already a member or a pro go or a pro member, you can just simply go into the community and grab your go and pro discounts. And the link will be right there. So let's move forward. I'm gonna get my slideshow back up again here. And this is gonna be, I'm pretty actually excited that this is meant to be a lesson for people on how to become better traders in the context of what we're doing here. So 
Let me go to the trade. Slideshow from current. So I have this trade that is completely non-subjective calendar strategy that made approximately 200% year-to-date in uh, the SPX. The question is, do I have your attention? Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like a marketer for a minute or an excited trader <laughs> guy. And then afterwards, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a bit of a mentor to you about this type of thing. Okay. So it's 200% year-to-date. How does that make you feel? Right? Do you get excited? And what actions are you going to take based on those feelings? So if you're excited about the prospect of seeing this calendar strategy, which I am going to show you in its full entirety, um, that made 200% this year, if that's what you're feeling, and I would say that would be fairly normal. Right, that's the normal human condition. I want a trading strategy that is going to um, go by these guidelines that I don't really have to pay attention to anything, and I'm going to make a ton of money, and I'm expecting to do that forever into the future. You're going to feel exciting, right? So, if your feelings you want to do anything, if your feeling is like I want to do anything to get these rules, including pay for them. And then your action is to backtest them for confidence or modification and then blindly trade those rules going forward in the live markets with the expectation you're going to get the same results. This, my friends, is why you are not making money as a trader. Okay? Chasing the next miracle trade prevents you from progressing as a trader. Period. So many people do this over and over and over again, they see this trade. Maybe it was back tested. Maybe it wasn't back tested. I don't know. It's been doing well. Or somebody said it's, this thing's been doing well recently. Uh, recently, oh, this is wonderful. I'm excited. Normal, right? Normal. I, even I do that. Oh, wow, that's kind of interesting, right? And then I go, oh, wait a minute. You know, you know. Let my my let my actual um, reasonable reason reasoning reasoning faculties come into play, right? But if your action, but if you take action off of that, and that action is to just, like I said, back test it and blind followers go forward, that's going to be detrimental to you as, as you go forward. So let's see, what's what's in QA right now? Okay, great. Um, so anyway, yeah, so Timothy said, yes, he's excited. He's gonna catch the rest on a recorded. Love it. Okay, so let's go forward here. So, first of all, did this trade really make 200 percent 90 days? Yes, it did. Depending on how you figure the calculations, it's maybe slightly less or drastically more. Is it really non-subjective? Yes, completely non-subjective. How did I develop this trade? This is, imp this is important. How did I develop the trade? Well, I developed this trade by looking at the market context. This is literally what I did, okay? Knowing what I know about the marketplace, I said, John, knowing what you know about the marketplace, what trading strategy, what, it, 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 right? By trading strategy, I mean, what entry strategy, what adjustment strategy, right? Stephen was talking about an, adjust, an adjustment strategy being a delta. What adjustment strategy, what exit strategy are going to be beneficial in this marketplace? I really, literally, that's all I did. And I said, 
this type of calendar, do well in this environment. And I traded it through and I got my results. How many attempts did it take? In other words, how many tries did I go? Did I say, I'm going to try this and then I'm going to try that and I'm going to try this? How many attempts did it take? It took one attempt. I literally came up with this yesterday. I came up with the rules yesterday. I made one attempt to test testing the rules based on what I know about the marketplace. And this is not a complex charting analysis or anything. It's just saying, I know this is the general condition of the market. I know this is a calendar. I know this is how this should react. I know this adjustment strategy. I know how it will react. I know this adjustment strategy. I know, I know how it will react. How many um, attempts did it take? One. Did I back test it before applying it? No. Okay. So these, this is the complete in rule set for the strategy. Before I even go there, let's go back one screen for a second. Well, I can't go back one screen for a second. It's not letting me. Okay. So let's go back one second. You are going to see this from marketers. You're going to see a trading strategy that somebody just made up. And it had a certain performance result. And usually it goes something like this, right? They come up with this general rule set, and this is very general. They go back and then they back test it and it gets a certain performance. And then they adjust out the bad trades. And then it comes out, you have this end result of a wonderfully performing trade, right? And they make rules to filter out what happened in the past, timing rules, filter out the timing. This doesn't change the dynamic of the trading strategy. All it does is it filters out the, the poor results, giving you a trading strategy that appears to trade, to have a very good um, a very good result over a period of time. And if there's a lot of ambiguity in the rules, in other words, if they're not like super concrete, you can manipulate those rules each time you have a problem in order to create that strategy, which makes you're able to even have a better looking strategy on paper. And from then you can share it or whatever, or you can convince yourself that you've, you've found this trade that's going to work forever. Okay, that's, that's, that's how things work. Um, and that's fine for a beginner trader, right? You have to have a context. You have to have a trading structure to follow in which to learn how to trade and learn how things react. In which case, you know, we have our Go membership, we trade by the guideline and so forth. That is the process under which that goes. That by no means means or should be taken as this trade is going to, I'm going to follow these rules going into the future and I'm going to make money all the time. That in no way means that. That doesn't mean, again, these strategies in general aren't profitable over time. All of our strategies we show you on Go membership are profitable over time, but they have their summers and they have their winters, as Stephen would say. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. So my complete rule set on this is I enter and add the money calendar with a 1530 cycle, which means my front cycle is 15 days to expiration, my back cycle is 30 days to expiration, or as close as possible. Sometimes you don't have that 15 day to expiration, you got to go to 14. Sometimes you don't have the 30, you got to go to 29 or whatever, right? So, at, or as close as possible. As soon as the trade is over, um, I is when I enter. So when the previous trade is over, I enter. Um, if there's no trade on, in other words, I have to start somewhere. I enter randomly, which is what I did here. I entered randomly. I took the first. How did I enter randomly? I said, I'm going to I'm gonna trade this dish this year, all the expiration cycles this year. 
first expiration cycle this year, January 3rd. 15 days out, my long strike. That's my entry. How often do I check it? Well, I'm a trader who doesn't want to check things all day. I don't want to be in front of the market. I have other things to do. I have people to educate. I have all this other stuff going on. I checked it once a day, half an hour before close. We will call that the checkpoint time. I exit when the price is in contact or has exceeded the expiration time at checkpoint time. I exit at checkpoint time on the day of expiration, period. No other rules. Okay. And then I run it. Now, had I ran this, understand that had I ran this in the results, I had one trade that was really, really bad. I could have easily filtered out that trade by adding a rule. I could have put a profit target in. I could have changed my day of entry. Could have maybe changed my spread. Right? I could have done something to filter out that loss, but that none of that changes the dynamic of the strategy. Okay, this is these are things that you need to be understanding when you're looking at trading strategies, and you're and and you're not going to find the perfect trading strategy, but you want to make sure your expectations include. That's what happened. Whether that trade came from live trading, which is even less an indicator of what you're going to get out of that strategy, or it came from backtesting, right? So um, let's address this for a minute. I, ha I have people say, I want to see your trading results. I said, why? Regardless of what I'm doing, it has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on what you will get out of that. It doesn't. You're going to trade differently. You're going to see things differently. I don't even follow any solid rules when I trade. Right? If I'm live trading big numbers, I am I, I'm taking market movement into consideration. I'm taking implied volatility movement into consideration. I'm taking risk-reward ratios into consideration. Everything's taken into consideration. Technical analysis, all that stuff's going in, and I'm trading to that. There is no way that you can duplicate that exactly. You will develop your own style, and you can trade very well, and you can get similar or better results than I can. You certainly can do that. But you're not going to be able to trade exactly the same way I am, making my results, whatever they happen to be, completely irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. I can give you backtesting results. And again, you have to have those backtesting results, and you have to know how to properly backtest and put them in context. This is the way... Um, this is the way that you're going to end up being a great trader. It's not by following someone. It's not by finding a magic set of rules. It's 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 finding your own way. It's uh, it takes a little bit of risk. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes some learning and some practice. And this is the way you become successful. Okay. So, moving on, I'm my marketer. This this trade is fantastic. Um, what should I expect if I trade these rules going forward? Right. So, my marketing thing said this is my trade. I have these fantastic results of 200% in 90 days. It's non-subjective. Um, let's say I back-tested it, and I, maybe I modified the rules a little bit to filter out any, any bad things over the last, I don't know, five years or whatever. Um, this is my trade. It's wonderful. You should give me $5,000 to do this, or you should follow my trade alerts. Um, as a mentor, what should you expect if you trade these rules going forward? Even though I got these spectacular results, which I will show you, and I'll show you the trades themselves in a moment, uh, most people will trade the trades small for a period of time. They're going to crank up their size. They're going to go through a losing period. 
probably end up either negative or flat or maybe only slightly profitable. Not learn a thing relevant to long-term profit profitability, find the next trade. The problem is you didn't learn anything. You learned, you maybe picked up a few things here and there, but you didn't learn anything relevant to your long-term profitability because all you're doing is you're repeating the same process over and over and over again, hoping that something's going to change in the future. Some people call that insanity. I don't know. Um, but the key to making money going forward is understanding your positions and understanding when it's best to utilize them and when it's best to avoid them. And that's what the calendar program is here for. It's, it's, to here to help you gain a deep understanding of calendars and dials so that you can uh, understand those positionings so that when you do finally understand the market and implied volatility, you'll be able to utilize them properly. And when you do that, that is when you're going to make money consistently. Okay, so let's look at this here. So this is my magical trade. Um, crappy setup, by the way, for a. Um, so with calendars, so let's just talk about calendars for a minute. And this is going to come in and answer that question that Tim had, which was, I think it was Tim, hold on. Oh, no, it wasn't Tim. It was JD. In the course, he uses calendars selectively during backwardation. So yeah, that's one, that is one, um, one way you can use them. But at what point do you think these conditions, about at what point, do you think conditions are now favorable for calendars? Uh, we're not really experiencing backwardation as much anymore. So remember, calendars are multi-dimensional creatures. We gain edge in different ways. So with calendars, they have a front cycle to back cycle implied volatility component, which really isn't accurate. Right, so we talk about applied volatility. It's not really accurate to actually say implied volatility. It's actually a, a, a calendar is a pure extrinsic value play that changes when you go into a uh, a diagonal. It changes if you're in a butterfly. So if you're in a butterfly, for example, you have a intrinsic value shift component of your option. In other words, some options are usually in the money and the intrinsic value is shifting underneath the position. And then you have an extrinsic value component, which is the difference which, which changes uh, with time and implied and supply and demand or implied volatility, right? With calendars, you are selling the same strike you're buying, meaning you're short the same intrinsic value as you are extrinsic value, which means anywhere the price moves, there is no intrinsic value change in your position. Everything you're playing with is extrinsic value. You can gain an edge by having a higher than normal extrinsic value in the what you sell and a lower than normal extrinsic value in what you buy. You also have edge when you're Extrinsic value your short goes away quicker than the extra than the extrinsic value that you're long. You have also have an edge when the extrinsic value that you're long goes up faster than the extrinsic value that you're short. Now, this is not directly transferable into implied volatility because implied volatility isn't extrinsic value. It's a percentage of a base value. Right? So your software and we go deep into detail of this with the course, but your software has a base value of what any option will be depending on the asset price, 
the proximity to the asset price of the option and the uh, time to expiration, it has a base value that's known. That's your known value with your analytical software. That's the number it's working off of. That's, you know, give you your, your, your numbers, your second, your third order of the Greeks and stuff. And then there's an unknown value. And the unknown value is what the, what the actual extrinsic value of the option is. The actual extrinsic value of the option is determined by supply and demand in the marketplace. When there's a lot of supply on that particular options chain near that option, it raises the extrinsic value. When there's no demand, it doesn't. As time goes away, implied volatility tends to drop, but it doesn't have to come out of the option until it is settled. Meaning these can hold a lot of value with them right up to the last minute, right up to the last second, and then finally go out when it's settled. And the reason the reason it is is because the implied volatility goes out because there's no time left. And when there's no time left for the asset price to move, there's no risk. And when there's no risk, nobody cares and 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 the, and it goes away. Right. So it's not theta that you're actually trading, it's actually implied volatility. And when you get into calendars, you're trading the implied volatility of the front versus the implied volatility of the back. That can give you an edge. But you also, but that's a consideration, right? We can get a nice entry edge in the marketplace when we get right. This is the best edge for the marketplace you could imagine. So we want to define our best edge from an implied volatility standpoint, not from a price movement standpoint. Our best edge from an implied volatility standpoint is when we sell a lot of extrinsic value, we buy a relatively small amount of extrinsic value, and the extrinsic value in that we sold is likely to go down a lot compared to what the other cycle is likely to go down, or the back cycle that we bought is likely to go up a lot more than what the front cycle is likely to go up or we can even say that's not even relevant if we can withstand an ultimate an unlimited drawdown because eventually the front cycle implied volatility has to come out or the, the extrinsic value in the front cycle has to come out before the back cycle. So all those are edges when you're dealing with a calendar, but that's not the only component you're dealing with. You're also, you're also dealing with price movement, right? So um, you can have no edge going into the marketplace from an implied volatility standpoint or even from an expectation standpoint, but you can have an edge from price movement standpoint, because let's face it, you enter a calendar at the money, price doesn't move for 30 days or however long you're in it, you make money, right? You may not make as much as you think, you may get a collapse in the T plus zero line, who knows, uh, right? Or in the expiration line, you, you, who knows, but chances are if the price doesn't move, you make money. So all of those things are there. So you have implied volatility edges, you have implied volatility uh, future movement expectation edges, uh, or or not edges, right, or, or drawbacks. And then you have the price move and expectation of the asset. Realistically, all of those have to be into consideration when you determine your entry strategy, your adjustment strategy, your exit strategy. And when you can start to do that, it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Once you Once you understand everything fully, this is when you can make money in the marketplace because you'll know what to do when, right? It automatically starts to come into play. You start to gain these instincts about things. So this is my wonderful trade I developed. I went in at the money and, you know, call options, put options. It doesn't matter. Everybody has to do a show. Be in call options or put options. I spent an hour responding to emails with somebody over the benefits and arguing of the benefits of being in a, I don't know. I don't know if he's wanted to call option calendars rather than put option calendars. Let me tell you, 
it, it, it doesn't matter. The only thing that does matter, which I'm going to talk to you about a little bit later, which is which comes into your emergency protocol stuff. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about. Um, oh, actually, we're not going to do that here because I didn't do that. So the only thing that does matter. Let me let me just address that. The only thing that does matter is if you're in a short-term days expiration. One of the risks that you have as a calendar is that something can happen either to you, to your brokerage software, or to the market exchanges or whatever, where you're in a situation where you expire out of the front cycle option, right? Because lots of things can happen. The market can shut down or whatever. You're out, you're out of the front cycle option. And then you have, then you have, all you have left is a very, is a long option on the position because the front option expired. And then we get a market gap and then the market opens and you can't get out of this option and you end up taking this huge loss that you never expected to take, right? So this only has a $35,000 maximum loss. There's a, Conditions that can't happen where you can exceed that, right? So one of the things that I like to do if I'm particularly for trading close to expiration is to be in half um, half put options and half call calendars because at least under those conditions, if I if something really weird happens and I, I expire my front cycle, at least I'm in a, in a in a long straddle in the back cycle where I'm less likely to get hurt too much with price movement. So unless I'm real far away from the money um, when that happens. So that's just one thing, but we're going to kind of ignore that for today. So this is the trade, right? All I do is I go in this trade and I go to whether when this asset price hits here or here, I'm basically out of the trade. When um, I get to my day of expiration, I use the trade. So let's just go to, I'm going to go one day here. I am going to go ignore trades. I'm going to go to exit date. This is what happens. The market just, it runs side to side for the whole period of time. Uh, like I said, this was a terrible entry. So if you look at this and you look at the dynamics of implied volatility on this entry, this was an awful entry. It had an awful risk reward ratio. It had an awful, um, total profit. It didn't have a very wide tent. That's a terrible trade setup from an implied volatility standpoint, but you also have to consider the likely price movement. When implied volatility is in that structure, you're not likely to get big price movement. So that comes into play also. And if technically you agree with that, then maybe that makes this a good trade. Okay. So um, so anyway, that's, that's that trade, right? So we bop out of a trade of $25,000 profit. And this was a higher than normal, um, higher than normal tr uh, cost for the trade. Usually, this trade costs about twenty-five thousand dollars. This costs forty thousand dollars for the same size. Again, this is simply the um, the dynamics of the marketplace are not allowing me a, a good uh, what what appears to be a good entry. But again, entry isn't everything. I can have a very poor entry from an implied volatility standpoint and have a good entry from a technical standpoint, uh, which is basically what answers your question. So if, if our implied volatility edge goes away in these marketplaces and we want to trade calendars, we start looking for uh, price movement edges at that point. Okay. So that brings us to our next trade, which is the same thing, right? I come in and look at the price of this one. Now it's like $29,000. So from a, um, from an edge Going in, this is better from a pure implied volatility edge uh, as far as that goes. I entered put calendars here. Like I said, it doesn't really matter. 
Um, they will be different costs sometimes, but the cost is going to be represented the same on the way coming out. So one of the things you look at here is this here tells you theoretically your risk to the upside, uh, downside and the total amount in the trade. This here should be, right? And you should know this, right? This here should also be $30,000. The software is estimated that no matter how far the market goes up, that the uh, long option is still going to retain its time value. Eventually, it'll go down. Like if it go down far enough, it should go down. If it doesn't go down, that's an error in the software, right? That's an error in the software projection. So again, it's about reading your tools. This should drop out at some point. I'm just going to zoom all the way out for a second. Yeah, it never does. That's actually an error in software. So um, anyway, that is that. This is our new trade. This trade did the same thing, right? I, um, I'm going to go one day. I'm going to go to ignore trades. I'm going to go to the next trade because there are no other adjustments on this. And this trade ended up, what ended up happening is we ended up hitting our tent on this day. We exit the trade, $3,400 loss. Come in, we do it again. Here is our structure. I'm gonna go one day. Uh, look at the gain in one day. So if you're back testing this, you wanna know why this happened. What was it about the new situation? What was it about the technical situation? Um, looking at the price charts, you want to know why that happened. That's an extremely large gain in a day. Was it a software error, right? So you, you want to know. Um, you want to know all about that. So this is kind of interesting. Now I'm going to ignore adjustments. I'm going to go to the end of this trade. And right earlier on, this was actually up a lot more money, but that's not within our rule set. So this was up $20,000 at one point. And because we don't have a profit target, because we don't have an adjustment, we don't have an adjustment um, trigger. Um, and this relates back to the Delta question, you know, um, which basically we had zero Delta. So this was, make, this was what makes your Delta number kind of useless, right? We had a, um, a price here, Delta was zero. We got our price movement. Oh, we lost a ton of money, right? That has to do with our third order degree gamma, which um, also is in isolation is almost a relatively useless number because we can have a relatively high gamma and then have a price movement and have that gamma shift positive very quickly. So like I said, in isolation, those aren't very useful. But anyway, that's our rule set. Um, I could throw a profit target on this, right? So if I throw a profit target on it, what does a profit target do, everybody? Everybody should know this if you are if in trading at any time. You should know what the dynamics of a strategy, how changing the dynamics of a strategy changes. Adding a profit target to a trading position, regardless of what it is, increases your win rate. There are costs to that. You cut yourself off at the knees and you don't, um, and you don't, Give yourself the chances to make these big wins. When you don't give yourself the chances to make these big wins, you have to win more often in order to make things happen, right? So, and then of course, if you start cutting your profit target, then you have to start cutting your max loss down because your max loss becomes irresponsible and you have a risk-reward ratio problem, um, which is going to threaten your long-term profitability. When you cut your when you cut your max loss up, yeah, that reduces your win rate. 
and then you're back to where you were, only you can make and lose less money. Uh, actually, I should reword that. You can make less money, but you could probably still lose the same because we have um, we have control under when we exit the trade, when it's profitable, a lot of times we don't also always have control over our losses, right? They can get a little bit uh, out of control with the market gaps and very big pressures when we try and panic out. So um, just keep that in mind, right? That's the dynamic that's, that's in mind when we are trading, okay? So, uh, so Timothy just mentioned awesome tip, half puts, half calls, never thought of that. How would you craft a trade that takes advantage of my hypothesis? SPX will likely be at 3,200 in two weeks. Would you go 30 days expiration or less? I like trying to get expiry, but I've actually, I've used it. I've uh, usually been too soon. Yeah, so this, first of all, this is a great thought. Not where is the trade now? Not where is flat delta? Where's the market going to be in two weeks? If the market's going to, if if you if you have a strong reason to believe you're going to be at thirty two hundred in two weeks, right? So thirty, we're going to be at thirty two hundred in two weeks, right? Price a time frame, very nice. Next question: What's the path it's going to take to get there? You want to set yourself up in a trade that takes maximum advantage of being profitable. It's our maximum profit numbers, right? We're not talking like a measly 10 or 20% profit here, right? That's amateur play. We're talking like 50, 70, 100, 150% profit. Um, where can I make 50 to 100% profit when the market's at 3,200 in two weeks? Um, and I'm going to be able to withstand the, the expected price movement in the market over the next two weeks without drawing down more than, say, um, um, 10% or 5%. You can set trades up like that. And then if if things play out in your way, you make this very large amount of money. If they play out even near your way, you make a very large amount of money. If you're wrong, you lose a very small amount of money. This doesn't give you the highest probability, the, the highest win rate over time, but it gives you the highest profits over time. So that's how you set it up. You know where you're likely to be. You have an idea of what the path is likely to be. You can monitor that path as things come along and new move comes into, into, into the market. And then you can set yourself up to do these really big trades. So yeah, you can do something. If you think two weeks, give yourself a margin error, error of a week. So you go like 21 days to expiration. If you can set something up in that time frame that doesn't draw down too much with um, a reasonable expected movement in the marketplace, um, then you can do that. If you can't do that, you can moderate your drawdowns by either trading smaller or by continuing to keep your large size and going further from expiration. Going further from expiration is going to moderate your drawdowns in case you're a little bit off on the path that the, the market takes on the way to where it's going. Okay, so that's kind of the way to think about it. So that's a that's a good question. Um, anyway, let's go done done here. This is um, our position and this is our exit not this day right I, I could modify this and try and exit this day at a bigger profit right I could, I could modify that that way okay I could call this subjectively in contact but to me it's not so um, I go the next day here um, I end up exiting this because it's clearly in contact now of course it's zero days to expiration at 3200 profit I go into the next trade at the money. Here, I go one day. Okay, I'm up 30 points. I go to our exit time. 
right? This one's up 1700. I go into my next trade. This is 1740. Let me go one day. You can see the setup's getting better, by the way, right? So our technical setup's getting a lot better. We, we had a you know, risk reward. If you look at the peak of the tent, the bottom of the tent, we were at like 40 something thousand. Now we're running like 20 grand. So you know, that gives us an edge in general in the marketplace for entry, right? It's what we call a static edge, not a dynamic edge. So a static edge would be, it's an edge at this time, dynamic edge, is it actually an edge considering the other components that, are, that may happen? Okay, so did I go one day? Yeah, I went, must have went one day. Ignore trades, go to the end. At the end of the cycle, um, oh, I, I'm exited because I'm in contact, right? So I'm in contact with this. So uh, I exit this at $3,900. So I exited a day early. I just go into the next trade a day early. I go into the next trade and this is my position. You see the edge going away, right? So, so that kind of goes away. And then uh, we say we go in at 4,100 because we're at 4,096. We'll go one day. We're up 830. Let me go ignore trades. We'll go to next day or next adjustment. This ends up take, being taken out at a bit of a loss. And then we go to our next trade, which is here. Edge is continuing to deteriorate in the calendars, by the way. Um, we go one day. We're almost to our date. Let me go uh, to work till to today. Let me go to our trades, go to the next adjustment. Uh, this ends up being um, this ends up being a plus fifteen thousand six fifty five. We exit in. We go to the next trade, and this ends up being next day. Next trade. Instead of being up $27,000, right? So you see the power in this can be very good. If I go to, um, next trade, one day, or go to the next adjustment. That goes to here, right? So this one's a loss. We, we gapped up over our our thing here, we ended up taking a small loss. And then we go into this last trade, which is where we're at now. So if we go live, then this trade is currently up about uh, 38, uh, 39.80 in the position. So that's a simple strategy that you, you know, I come up with based on what I know about the marketplace, based on what I know about calendars, it should be, um, should be good. So this is not an implied volatility advantage. Right, I'm not using that at all, but um, this is this is taking advantage of the edge that we're in the choppy marketplace. And like we said with Stephen, whenever I develop a trading strategy, I have to decide: Am I going to lose if the market's choppy, or am I going to lose if the market trends? This will lose if the market trends. This will be toast. You can be continually putting the trades on. You'll be continually getting 
pushed out to one side, whether it be the upside or the downside. In, in a trending marketplace, something like this is terrible, right? So this is not, so as good as it looks and as good as I could make it look over the last couple of years, like, like I said, I could filter this in with profit targets and stuff and make it look like a wonderful high probability strategy. As good as it looks, it's not a viable long-term strategy. And you really, really need to be aware of those type of dynamics. And again, this is why we have our calendar class. We want to give you a full and complete understanding of these positions, the dynamics of the positions, when, when they have edge, when they don't have edge, and what type of edges you need in order to be profitable so that you can, once you understand them and you understand the marketplace, you can trade profitably consistently and know when and when, and when not to use them and how to time them. So again, I'm just going to quickly show you on the website where it is. You come into lockinyoursuccess.com and go into the community, look for your go discounts or your pro discounts. You just click on that and you can go there. Or if you go into the main website, we can go and go into our trading courses, go into how to best utilize calendar spreads, and it is available for you right there. Okay, one more quick question I'm going to, and I hope you take advantage of this. It's, it's a, we've had so many good reviews about this course. Again, this is not a calendar trading strategy. This is a, this is information, it's a performance course, it's about calendars, understanding the calendar spreads, how to utilize them and the dynamics of the calendar spreads. This is where you wanna go, okay? And again, you'll find that this information is not available anywhere in the marketplace, nowhere in the marketplace at least not that I've seen anyway, and I pretty much know what's going on. So could this be done zero DTE? I mean, you can do anything zero DTE. If, well, put it this way, you can do anything you want. So watch the way you, watch the way you ask questions, everybody. So as a coach mentor, watch the way you ask questions. Can this be done? Yeah, sure. What are you expecting to get out of it? it is the question, right? But yeah, you can do this zero DTE, depending on the implied volatility market. It may be a, and the uh, price movement expectations of, of the marketplace, it could be considered a absolutely terrible thing to do or it could be a wonderful thing to do, right? So you might be coming in zero DTE. You might see a certain spread that has a implied volatility edge. You may be in a technical situation where you have a market movement edge. Um, in which case, yeah, you slam that sucker on. And then there's going to be other situations where you do not have an implied volatility edge and you do not have, uh, nor do you have a market movement edge, in which case it would be pretty much a silly idea to be in it. But, you know, it all depends on your expectations. I wouldn't expect to take that trade that I showed you and trade that over the long term and be profitable forever. It's something that's very good for the market right now, as in the way that it's behaving. It's not something good for a lot of other types of implied volatility environments and price movement um, type of environments. And it's going to be the same thing with your zero DTE trades. It's going to be the same thing. A lot of the zero DTE trades that are going really well right now, when you get into a poor implied volatility environment, they're going to be disaster. So, you know, if your objective here is I find a trade, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to trade full time. Um, that is a set up for disaster. I've seen that end up in disaster so many times. You, you should be have an understanding of what you're doing with the trades. You should have an understanding of how the market environment affects that. 
the timing, the implied volatility levels, the horizontal vertical skew levels, and all that, how they affect that, understand how to modify it as things change so that you can always put yourself in a very high probability situation like we do kind of in the pro membership. Okay, so that's where we want to go with that. Uh, thank you everybody for joining me here. I look forward to seeing you hopefully in our membership. So we'll uh, see you soon. Trade well.